Music. Reviews. Chat. Poems. Comedy. Writing. Interviews. ELFM. It's radio for so much more. Welcome to Vandal Factory. Come on, Henry. First three re- words of the show, and you've gone and smuffed them up. Uh, this show is all about love and support. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Vandal Factory, folks. My name is Henry, and my name's Natalie, and we are Vandal, Vandal Factory. Factory. There that, you that go. Was even better, that, we that smashed better. it that time. Welcome to episode two of our awesome, brilliant, if I do say so myself, radio show. We have doubled the amount of content we've put out. <sighs> In the past month, less than a month on our second episode, bringing the grand total to two. Oh, no. See, Henry told me he was going to say that. He said, I'm going to do a really funny thing at the beginning. And I I gave him a facial expression that suggested not to do that because it's not <laughs> that funny. But as usual, Henry, you don't listen to my advice. So we've got a great show coming up for you, lovely folks. Um, we have uh, interviews with Chris Singleton, our very Woo! good friend. We've got an interview with um, members uh, from Beck 2 Union. Oh, and of course, we have an interview with Zoe Lafferty. Ah. Plus, all your favourite features and, dare I say, bangers. Absolute bangers. Um, but first, Nat, how's your anger and how's your hope? How is my anger? How is my hope? Well, um, I think last show, I was fairly sort of in a sorry, sorry place in between the two. But um, I'm glad to report that I've rectified that situation this month and I have had an awful lot of anger and an awful lot of hope. Uh, both, yeah, <laughs> both raging full. It was, it, you know, with COP coming up, I couldn't help but feel like that kind of like the drums of war on the <laughs> distance start pounding and mm. just feeling this sense of everyone going up and, and mm. going to do their best. And, and it is hopeful. And, and then, of course loads of reasons to be angry mm. about um you the, know the broken the, the, promises the broken the lack promises, of promises and... the lack of action yeah. yeah 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 but i would say buckets of hope and anger how about you uh so uh for those of you who don't know cop 26 is a huge climate summit attended by delegates from all over the world to discuss the issue of climate change and now as we call it the climate crisis uh, so i went up with some young people in my role as the broadcasting worker here at uh, chapel fm art center although i'm here in a completely personal capacity so don't send in any Angry, That's why he's got emails. the unions on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we went up uh, to Glasgow to the summit and part of this protest. And I think it's just to see so many people from so many. It, it's a common enemy, right? Yeah. The, the closest I can compare it to when I, I went to a huge demo against Donald Trump in 2018, mm. I think. And like suddenly there was just like people from all different backgrounds and ideas and perspectives were there and the same for the climate crisis is you get so many different voices all pulling in the same direction maybe using different tactics different ways different solutions different approaches but that gives me hope because cool. it's a it's a did such it a wide hopeful scale to be up there when you you know did it yeah, I mean, it was quite drizzly and, and you know, sometimes the chanting... <laughs> Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> so in Scotland in November. Sometimes, yeah, the chanting could be a little bit more fiery. But the uh, young people we went up with were, were great and they gave me a lot of hope. They're very inspiring. Oh, lovely. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, what a lovely little show. What, what, um, 
What else have you been up to, Hannah? So I'm I'm really glad you asked me that question, Natalie. <laughs> um, so I went to uh, see a play called The Ballad of Johnny Longstaff, which was by a a cappella folk group from the northeast called the Younguns. And in this show, they um, talk about this guy Johnny. He was a real person, and and at the t- I generally was like, is he was he a real person? Because like his life honestly story. called Johnny Longstaff. Jo- Johnny Longstaff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Johnny um, was sort of there at all the best bits the best of 1930s left wing activism so he walked down with the Jarrow marches and the hunger marches he was president of the battle of cable street and he went to fight in the spanish civil war are um, you sure it wasn't just like a generic name that anyone used being like oh johnny longstaff in, over there in the ni- always there in the 1980s he recorded a um uh, his life story and you can listen to it at the Imperial War Museum and it's like six, eight hours long um, but this show was like two hours So we're cancelling the show we're <laughs> going to play that instead Yeah, yeah just going to tune into that folks So I'm going to play uh, a track from the show from uh, the Jungans album uh, The Ballad of Johnny Longstaff in the name of the show um, and this is called uh, Robson's Song and it's about when Johnny goes to the recruiting officer and says I want to fight in the Spanish Civil War and I guess there's a little bit I want to play it to start off the show because it's about going Come on! on! Yeah! In a Dawson Charing Cross behind a big steel door I met a man who had the dourest face I ever saw Well he was grey as the grave He was stern and he was grim His name was Robbie Robson And I said this to him I said me name is Longstaff And I want to go to Spain Well are you sure he answered me So I told him again Well how old are you really lad You look like twelve to me I'm nearly twenty sir I lied cause I was seventeen Well there are things that you must know lad if you mean to go to fight down in a foreign land against a fearsome foe for the enemy is brutal lad and when you're on the run you'll be lucky if you shoot him lad cause you won't have a gun and you'll be no good wounded lad by them dirty thugs for when you go to hospital there won't be any drugs and when you come on blinded lad without an arm or leg there'll be nothing we can give you lad you'll have to go and beg and the clothes that you'll be wearing lad they come in sizes too too big or too small but too small's too big for you and when your ass is bleeding lad through scratching with the lice you'll remember me lad and think of my advice and the food that you'll be eating lad it won't be very grand the beef is really donkey and the coffee's really sand and when you're gipping in a bucket lad and wishing for your mum you'll remember me lad and wish you'd never come you'll be burnt red like a lobster lad beneath the blazing sun in the Pyrenees you sure to freeze with ice upon your bum Taking trenches with your fingernails Lad in the frozen ground Well you remember me lad And wish you turned around So now you've heard me story lad It is the truth I've said You'll be either maimed or blinded lad Or more than likely dead So now you're looking at me lad Tell me your answer plain I said me name is Longstaff I want to go to Spain Now <laughs> <laughs> like to formally apologize for in any way thinking that that was a hopeful song that is henry's kind of hopeful where it's just singing a jolly tune about how rubbish it's gonna be when you go to war 
that's oh, I need to make sure that I definitely listen to the songs before I let you play them. I mean, it was more hopeful than the other song on the album about carrying a coffin down to London <laughs> to protest against you poverty. Said that was a call to arms, and it's just and these are all the rubbish things that are gonna happen to you when you fight the fascist. Da, 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 da. Oh, lordy lord. Anyway, I think it's about time you did your own thing, isn't it? Houston, come in. This is Apollo 21. Do you read me? This is Houston. Go ahead. Houston, we have a problem. We appear to have lost all contact with Special Commander Raby. Repeat, he has become completely unresponsive. This is Houston. Do not worry about Commander Raby. He's doing his own thing. It's Henry's doing his own thing. That's right, folks. It's the feature with the incredibly long, bizarre <laughs> jingles <laughs> that, that sets so it up. Um, supplied to us by our good friend, David Charman. Who Hi, David Charman. We loved very dearly. So um, in this feature, Henry, that's me, I'm going to read uh, one of my poems that I get to read because I've written a poem. That's the feature. That's what it's about. What have you got for us today? So today I wrote it in 2019 and in sort of tribute to all those people fighting against climate crisis. This is about the youth strikers and it goes exactly like this. When the dust settles. <clears throat> when all this is over, Hope declares, we will have the biggest party the world has ever seen. What she means is when we win, Hope is breathing in a lungful. Now, does she mean the we as in everyone in this square, the we who painted placards bright in the sunlight, drew a tearful polar bear, pathetic ice caps, black seas dying trees, slogans standing beside memes, save planet and burn being the main themes. Rallied together despite the disapproval and threats. What do we want, she cries. Climate justice comes the reply. When do we want it? Or does she mean the we as in everyone on earth? The we who feel the increase of heat, temperatures rise, failing of crops, flooded populations, poisoned seas, butchering of trees. When the dust settles, she explains, we will celebrate. Well, school students walked out, which det risked detention or worse. When they marched, they clamber onto salt's shoulders and street signs, seek applause from passers-by, but seek no permission. There are nine-year-olds here, wide-eyed, gripping parents' hands, born in 2010, making the same urgent demands. They use blue and green chalk to make the streets beautiful with the great full planet Earth. Now they congregate and the street has been claimed. Hope tells me she spent a decade soaking up angry truths, tapping Twitter hashtags, joining Facebook groups. Now she wants to be the generation that makes the news. She takes over the sound system and the square erupts. Music plays from speakers. Dancing is a relief. Across the world, streets are shut. Tents pitch. Lock-ons clicked. Glue is used. Police are tricked. There is no possibility of failure. A final full stop. No possibility of compromise. As time flies, emergencies can still be fun. And I can't wait until we've won. When do we want it? Now. 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 Yes. Have I pulled it back? Brilliant, yes. Now that's what you call hopeful, Henry. Come on. <laughs> Come on, son. Come on. Come on, son. Absolute massive shout out to any young person or, you know, not young person. That's They're fine as well. Who've been <laughs> out doing their bit for the climate over the last sort of 
couple of weeks. So speaking of poetry, uh, our next interview is with a good pal of ours, a chap called Chris Singleton. Yeah. Natalie, do you want to set up? You went to see his show, How to Be a Better Human. Do you want to yeah. talk a little bit about it before we play Absolutely, this Absolutely, mate. It was such a good show. So Chris is uh, a poet and a writer, performer, um, artistic director of his company called Brave Words. And this was a, a solo show that was on at Leeds Playhouse this week week um a very very personal story of chris's about a really difficult year that he went through um last year he lost his dad he had a divorce he whoa a little thing called a global pandemic like it was incredibly difficult but man that he has come out of it and made a show that is hilarious it's beautifully written it is I was weeping um, and I knew it was also the first time that we'd I'd been to the theatre in ages and uh, and so just to have an audience that was absolutely laughing out loud, crying out loud, everyone on Chris's side and him just really holding our attention and taking us through this incredibly personal, powerful story was an absolute joy. So without further ado, here's our natter with Chris Singleton. Hi, Chris. How you doing? Hiya. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm really excited, to be honest. I'm all, all gravy. Is that a thing that people say still? I think it is. Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. If not, we're bringing it back. Um, so, all yeah, how's, how's this week going? You're, you haven't yet opened, as, as we are speaking. You haven't had your first show, am I right? Uh, we've had the, the Harrogate show in, in, oh, yeah. uh, in about, it's about a month ago now. Uh, which was absolutely great. We did it in in an old chapel in Harrogate because Harrogate Theatres is closed at the moment because the oh, roof's yeah. been redone. Uh, which I always find it hilarious when a theatre's got such kind of a mundane reason for not <laughs> not theatering. Um, no, we're, but we are we're opening in Leeds. First Leeds gig this week, which is Woo! Thursday, and you're sold out. And the show so, is called you... How to yeah. Be a Better Human. So can you just sum sum up How to Be a Better Human in sentence or two? Stop trying is probably the, the message of the show, um, which is hilarious. I've, I've often said to people that the, the show is, I mean, ultimately, it's the advice that I give myself, which I is so hard to follow all the time, which is that we, if we spend all of our time worrying about whether we're doing things well enough or whether we're being funny enough or intelligent enough or attractive enough, then ultimately uh, we never manage to just be content and happy. Uh, is the overall message of how to be a better human. But the the show takes in uh, essentially what happened to me in 2019, which led to me having those realisations, which was, uh, I, well, in short, I had the, one of the worst years of my life that included my, my dad dying and also um, a, a divorce, just, just for fun, you know, as if the first one wasn't enough. So, Chris, was there this point when you went all this hardship, this grief, this trauma, this life stuff, I have to record this, there wasn't really a realization point as such, but um, I was I was in Canada at the time. I uh, I'd flown over to see my sister, which I'd already planned way before all of this happened. But ultimately, I ended up flying over to Canada with some of my dad's ashes as well, uh, just because that's how the year went. Uh, which led to the, the hilarious moment of being stopped by Manchester Airport security and having to explain to them <laughs> the, the the thing the large tube of 
powder in my bag was was actually a canister of my dad it was it's hilarious in hindsight and at the time it was just a bit odd they were like okay will you hold him and we'll rescan all of your electronics <laughs> and i really felt for the for the poor security person um but in canada i i again just by chance i um i was over there when the vancouver fringe was going on uh, and there was a show on by a, a comedian called Dion Arnold, uh, called How I Killed My Nan. Uh, and then the, the bio for the show just said, you'll have to come and find out. Uh, and it was just a lovely kind of heartwarming show that really painted a picture of his nan, but then also went into details about how she was part of a, an assisted dying scheme in Canada. And how by the end, she was like, whenever the, the staff walked in, she was going, are you going to kill me today? Uh, and that's just wow. where she got to because she was just ready to die. Um, and as I watched that, I kind of thought, this is somebody who is sharing something intensely uh, sad and and um, with all of those levels to it, but in a way which is is humorous and light and finds the moments of of celebrating that person in a really funny way. So um, the next morning, I kind of went and sat in a cafe and just just started writing it and started putting down what had happened essentially with not no real overall plan at that point, but just uh, tears essentially. Um, and what I found as time went on is that the writing of it became a, a really uh, su helpful support of of me right of me uh, processing my grief rather. It's gonna make me cry, isn't it? It's a tearjerker. I can feel it. I'm well enough already just listening to you. That's that's how ready I am to have a good gush. But um, apart from tears, what else can I can I expect on Thursday? Uh, you can expect uh, some some good jokes and some terrible jokes yeah intentionally terrible jokes uh you can expect uh three or four poems which are also in my debut collection called the kidnapping of self-kindness you can expect some awful karaoke of the backstreet boys and <laughs> um if you you can expect a random haircut uh some the most expensive joke in the show which is worth 105 pounds uh and is that uh, your haircut no, 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 I don't oh. pay £105 for my haircut. I do. I've lived in Leeds, <laughs> lived in Leeds all my life. And I have male privilege. Of course I don't. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So there's the, and also some original music by uh, a beautiful musician called uh, Reese Jacob, um, who actually wrote the, the songs for the show whilst suffering from long COVID uh, and, and still is in an ongoing battle with it. So it really has, when you hear the music, you'll kind of go, holy, wow, this is... This is a talented musician because Reese is brilliant. And I've also known him since we were in Romeo and Juliet together at high school. So there's a good history between us. Uh, he was Romeo oh, and Albert. That's wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and an animation um, by a lovely studio called Huckleberry Films as well, who are based over in Lancashire. Oh, that sounds amazing. And yeah, absolutely. I would, I would love to hear your story alongside other people's experiences of it. I think that's fantastic to go out in the communities and encourage other people to to go through a similar kind of creative process um speaking of which you have told us that uh we have the privilege of hearing some of your work is that still the case <laughs> is it still the case of course it is yeah okay, um, cool. i mean i can give you a choice what have you got for you us well, I was going to read one of the poems from the show, but also I can also read a cheeky extra one as a bonus, if you like, that isn't actually in the show. It's I entirely love amazing. a cheeky extra. Yes, I uh, do. I'll, uh, I'll read the piece that is actually featured on the trailer for the show, uh, which is um, made by a, a wonderful filmmaker called Tom Midgley. 
uh, and this is ashes, which I, I scattered my portion of dad's ashes on Otley Shevin, so highly local. Um, and this is about all the advice he ever gave him before he died. If you put your foot down when you drive over hills, a ruckus rags your innards skyward till gravity momentarily reprieved slams you cheering to your seat. It is customary when booking a holiday to sprint the length of the living room, arms wide making aeroplane noises. When the tickets arrive, insist you get the window seat to be the first to see baked beaches, olive trees. For optimal telewatching, negotiate with the sofa till it remembers the shape of your arse. If the kids call you Homer, tut, roll your eyes. When necessary, use their full names to chastise, but only utter swear words when stressed with DIY. Remember, when you sow seeds, you do so in neat lines. You know they will grow to fill you with pride. They know that one day they will miss your advice. The cardboard tube with mass printed sunsets cannot begin to contain a man whose image plants peace. Glasses poised, peering at the adventure of life. This I know when I stand in this flower garden balanced on a cliff face and whisper goodbye. Oh, <laughs> I'm very excited. We're excited for Thursday. Um, thank you so much, Chris. Oh no, we've got one more. I can record one more if you like, yeah, while we're here. Um, it's music related, so it is relevant to... Uh, oh, brilliant. ...to, to um, Chapel FM, and also it will it'll lead very nicely into you playing a song afterwards, you know? Yeah, it's fantastic. Music. Yeah, we were going to ask you to uh, to nominate a track that you'd like to finish on, so this, this would be great. Thank you. I'll tell you what, yeah, I'll nominate you. it with the poem. Right. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, okay. so because by the end of the poem, I think you'll be very clear about what it is. Uh, so after um, after Dad died, I was sat with my mum in the lounge and she said, oh, have you ever looked through your, your dad's records? And I, I was just starting to kind of listen to some more vinyl and stuff and go, get into it and buy a few favourite albums. Uh, and I found out that uh, Dad had a, a first press of Sgt Pepper's in the, in the cupboard uh, that I'd never known was there. And which is worth absolutely nothing monetarily because my brother cut up all the in inserts when he was a kid <laughs> with the little figures in them. So uh, this is this is a poem about sitting with uh, me imagining sitting with dad and going through his records uh, and, and it'll then lead straight into my recommendation. We'll sit in silence on the sofas I've never liked. The scratch of your Sudoku pen, the odd cup of coffee watered down. You make them too strong. Roll our eyes in humour as mum chirps from the dining room about plans or shopping or nothing. You'll remember a crime drama that's caught your eye. That new one with what's a name. I'll point out your slow progress through a book. 
You'll ask a question about my work, share a new song, recipe, trip. You'll have just booked another holiday. You've always just booked another holiday. Somewhere you took me as a kid or further afield, making the most of your time. You'll look at me with humility, subtly sowing safety. For a moment, I'll feel the pride and excitement of a father holding his newborn. You'll call me to your records, ones I never knew you had, trace lines on the surface, show me how the needle catches in slow motion, your name penned meticulously on the sleeves, inviting me to envisage your memories. 18 years old, shoulder length hair, smoking on the sofa, dog by your arm, record spinning just beyond your frame, myself in every inch. Your phone will chirrup, remind you to take your tablets, put an end to my silliness. The clock whirring hours as the sun finds its path through glass and swirling dust to catch the light of your hair. Ask about the, the, the politics of the show. So you being a, correct me if I'm wrong, man, talking about grief and loss and and your mental health and sharing and and sort of your experience of that as a sort of political issue and what that's meant to you mm. i could talk about that uh, i should probably mention upcoming dates as well at some point so i'll try yes. and um so in terms of of making the show and the content of it and and as you as you say me being a man or, or some kind of vague representation of a man at least i uh i find the i, I don't know because there's always the the obvious kind of knee-jerk reaction that everyone goes to is like oh men talking about mental health which which is obviously the the one that kind of hits hits headlines a lot and that i see a lot of and i think um for that reason i've always been I, I say it's because of this, but also actually I just I strive with all my writing to try and make it accessible to, to people who've been to the arts or not for many, many years. But I think especially so with talking about grief, I've always wanted it to be very, very true, very real, very down to earth in the way it's, it's portrayed um, so that it doesn't switch anybody off. You know, nobody comes to it and goes, oh, this isn't for me, um, because I think that's the, one of the biggest problems with pieces of theatre that talk about men's mental health is the fact that the it's almost that kind of disconnect from the people you're trying to reach uh, of, of, it, of the theatre or the arts being portrayed as something that's not for them for so many years, not, not through any fault of theirs, through through the way it's kind of um, put on a stage that, uh, that I don't want anybody to immediately switch off. And I think with that, we've, we've I've had a few people come to see the show who've spoken to me afterwards who have been uh, men or just people who don't, who, who like in their own words have kind of said, oh, the theatre's not really for me. Or, it's not really my thing, I think is the way, the way that people most phrase it. Um, and, you know, we've seen tears and we've seen connection and we've seen uh, people walking away going, oh, actually that's made me really think about my own grief, etc." cetera. Um, so I, I'm, I hope that the, the, the intention with the show was always be to be a conversation opener and a, a starter and not just for, for men and mental health, but for, for anybody who sees it, especially people who have grieved, which is is the vast majority of us in, in, in life. So yeah, I guess in terms of the politics of it, that's kind of where it where it fits. 
Um, and then the, the the broader politics of it is that Brave Words as a company where we run as much of our activity as pay what you can as we as possible so that so that we never run the risk of um of, of excluding somebody because of cost. So and that applies to our youth theatres and our shows and all of our activities. So this show on Thursday at the Playhouse is, is pay what you can as part of the Furnace Festival. Uh, and then we're going to Horsforth Library on the 2nd of December, which is also free slash pay what you can. Uh, and then Slung Low next February on the 19th of February, which is, is again, everything there is pay what you can. So it's that kind of, and, and, and within that, presenting the piece in several different spaces as well, with mm -hmm. the hope that we'll connect with as many different communities as possible. That's amazing. Thanks, Chris. Pleasure to talk to you. You too. Is that all right? That was Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by a by a little band from Liverpool that you may have heard of called The Beatles. That was Chris's um, uh, nomination, I guess. Is that the right word? Sure. Um, and yeah, please, everyone, I cannot recommend enough Chris's show, How to Be a Better Human, next on in the Horsforth Community Library on December the 2nd. Please go and check it out. But I was dancing around the studio singing uh, the Beatles then, and I'm in the mood for another banger. Because every single song you own is a banger. It's time for Nat's banger of the hour. Bangers. Is it a banger? Is it a banger? Natalie, have you picked a banger for us this week? I absolutely have. Uh, this week, I was uh, wanting to give a shout out to an amazing artist and uh, 
activist called Joe Solo, who has supported Vandal Factory uh, in various different ways. And he is part of an organisation called We Shall Overcome. And I remember just before the show, actually, that him and the work with We Shall Overcome uh, are nominated for a Hope Not Hate Award, where I think they get like £5,000 that can go straight back into supporting people. Um, they do all it's all it's called solidarity not charity the work that they do so it's supporting people who are homeless or using food banks or uh, and often using music and gigs to do it uh, so I went onto the Facebook page to have a little look to make sure that I could do a shout out and make sure that everyone goes and votes for Joe and the work that that they do and then I saw that the deadline had passed Aww. but uh, but he'd won Hooray! yay so this is not a shout out to go and vote for Joe and We Shall Overcome. This is a congratulations, Joe Solo, and everyone who works for We Shall Overcome. Anyone who's ever donated, fantastic, uh, well, well deserved award. And this is an absolute banger to enjoy and celebrate your work. Sparked fire up there She rolls up her sleeves and says Let's make a start She says the poverty's a punishment That has no crime And if I have to I will save the world One life at a time One life at a time One life at a time If I have to I will save the world One life at a time Yeah There's a lot of good, good people gonna die out there And all the feet the greed of them who never care And yeah, down it I might well look like it's a mountain to climb But if I have to, I will save the well one life at a time One life at a time, one life at a time If I have to, I will save the well one life at a time, yeah Said I just can't bear to see good people going without Now every right to stand and fight, to scream and to shout You see the best to justify it is the last to care And I may not have that much but what I got I will share And with that she disappeared out there into the dark To spread the love she's got inside that big Big heart and remember if your mountain seems too steep to climb The chicken always try to save the well one life at a time One life at a time, one life at a time You can always try to save the well one life at a time One life at a time, one life at a time You can always try to save the well one life at a time Yeah, you can always try to save the well one life at a time yeah. Whoa. 
One Life at a Time by the incredible Joe Solo, an absolute Yorkshire legend living over in Scarborough, and we always love to see him over in Leeds. Come see us again, Joe. Yeah, one life at a time, (laughs) one life at a time. I'm going to be singing that for a while. Is your hope back up? Oh, mate, I am absolutely buzzing. I feel like we should just, if anyone's listening, give us a shout out on Twitter. I want to see videos of people dancing around. For that, it's it's your classic two two arms up in the air, pointing at the ceiling. One life at a time, one life at a time. I hope everyone's having a nice time. Oh, I had a very nice time at COP26. There's a segue. So, um, I, uh, I, I Go was, on, Henry. As we said, I was up there and uh, we did loads of interviews with the young people. If you want to check out just this reams and reams of fantastic chat, go check out the Red Kite show that went out last Friday because it's loads of their reflections as well as the people they spoke to. Um, but one of the interviews we did didn't make it into that show because we had so much, but I felt it deserved a place in this show. So uh, I'm a member of Beck 2 which is the Broadcasting Entertainment Television Communications Union. I think I got the C and the T the wrong way around, but that's yeah, fine. They, they won't kick me idea. out, will they? They no, won't kick me out, no. no. Um, so uh, I, the young people I was with and myself spoke to Mari Claire Bowser and Lawrence Johnson, who are part of the union and part of the sustainability branch that are trying to talk about how the film industry and the television industry can uh, reduce its emissions and also talk openly about the climate crisis. So this is a little short extract from the conversation we had with them about how they're working within the sector. Um, so enjoy. Hello. So we're here on a blustery day in Glasgow. I'm joined by Mari and Lawrence, who are from uh, the Bechtu Union to talk about sustainability in film. How are you doing today? Good, yeah. Uh, a little bit worse for wear, but happy to be here. Yeah, excellent. It's been a great few days um, kind of immersing in in COP and just general kind of climate debates. It's nice to be here. Excellent. So we obviously represent the medium of radio, um, but we're here to collaborate to cross-section with film. So who wants going to ask our first question? James. Oh, so hi, I'm James. Uh, and uh, my first question is, why do you think it's important that um, climate is shown through uh, film, like in, instead of it being the other ways that like we have speeches? And why do you think it's important that this is the way that you've shown it? Yeah, I think... I think actually film and the arts in general, but particularly kind of film and TV, I think we've got such a big platform to get kind of right into people's homes and kind of speak to people through storytelling. I think we have a real kind of powerful position there to kind of change the narrative and to make talking about climate and actions on climate kind of just part of of people's everyday lives and to get people thinking about it. So I think it's really kind of using uh, that... that, um, that profile and that, that that kind of platform to talk to people and, and make it something that everybody is really concerned about, as, as we should, because it's something that affects us all. Uh, so when you do it, do you show it in a uh, climate change as a negative thing? Because I've seen in a lot of films and programmes, you see it shown in kind of a, they laugh about it. Is that how you do it or do you show it as a really bad thing? Like, I think you kind of need to do both. I think people need to see the, you know, the, the, the realities that this is something that that is really worrying and it is going to have a real impact in a bad way on a lot of people's lives but also we need to show the 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 benefits to action so you know moving towards a more sustainable society and planet is good for people it improves people's health it creates better jobs so we need to show people the the the, the positives of action whilst also showing people how it's already having a negative impact uh, on people's lives um, so how do you think that we could represent climate change better in film and like just any like TV show or film in general? 
I think it's uh, more of the day-to-day, like, uh, domestic doing. So for us as, like, the general public and as active citizens, it's like, how can we do small steps that contribute to the bigger picture? Because it's obviously, like, it's a bottom-up thing where they need to see uh, that people want to engage with this, but also, like, we need to hold um, the top-down leaders to account for these promises that they've been putting in place in the past week. So... Uh, from our side as public or as audiences to the content that's created um, it's just yeah about normalising it and we should point out as well like our industry is quite unique in the sense that we're all freelancers and we all work on different productions and productions might only exist for literally a few months at a time and, and you've got a group of people that come together for such a short amount of time they go off and they go and work on other projects so we don't have like different to other industries where you've got these huge uh, corporations or organisations where they have like HR departments they, they have social responsibility contracts and things in place like we don't have that kind of overarching body that kind of looks at it in a holistic way so we're kind of that's basically what we're trying to do from within Beck too is like get things down get resources for crew um, and get some sort of like united front together as crews so that we're we're not vulnerable to just being overworked on set from like our working contracts and then these kind of environmental issues getting pushed to the side because there is no sort of overall accountability for our industry. Nice one. Amazing. Thanks, Henry. And we are moving straight on to now an interview that uh, a person that that you also met up at at COP26. Mm -hmm. But this interview came shortly after, just after she'd um, arrived back in London. This is with Zoe Lafferty, who is a director, theatre maker, writer, creative producer, activist and dramaturg. I originally met Zoe with um, our work with the Freedom Theatre in Palestine and she is fearless and inspirational and uh, was up at COP26 doing some amazing work. It was a joy to talk to her. Here it is. Hi Zoe, how you doing? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, that's a strained all right. So you just got back from COP. You've been there for the whole two weeks. Yeah, pretty much. Mine is sort of the first two days and the last two two days um but yeah yeah pretty much two weeks and and how was it how are you feeling now I think that there was so many incredible moments and so many different groups Mm. fighting for justice um and fighting for the change and this huge system change that we need and all of the complexities within that and I think that that was really incredible and and to see so many different groups working collaboratively in a in a sort of format of let's say collective solidarity was really brilliant and definitely hopeful and on a personal level, I learned a lot, um, you know, especially being with such a huge range of different different people. Um, I think that coming out of it, there's always a huge adrenaline crash. You, you know, you operate yeah. on pure adrenaline for two weeks. Yeah. And of course, looking at what's come out of the actual official COP26, mm. which is not, not the error that I was so yeah. involved in or at all. Um, I think it is absolutely terrifying um and that is that is really scary and this this constant um sort of not really acknowledging what needs to happen and knowing that the people who are being impacted by that 
um, it just feels so unjust because it's not the people who've necessarily caused it. Um, and that's really difficult. Uh, and it feels like, you know, you want to kind of rage and yeah. full at it for the next fight. But actually, realistically, like, you just have to get your energy back a little bit and also spend time, I suppose, reflecting on tactics and what works and what doesn't work and where things might have been better or went wrong and all mm. of these these layer, layers and, and complexities well that that is brilliant because because that was going to be my my next question was i'm actually writing an essay at the moment about art activism climate justice and my sort of provocation if you like is does it work and looking at different types of tactics mm. and from big you know, truth to power, direct action, performative stuff down to real grassroots, like someone just painting a wall in their community or, or doing something right on the grassroots and uh, looking at all the complexities of it. So, so yeah, like my question to you, like, can you reflect on what, what does it work or mean, meaning, you know, what are the more successful stories that you've experienced? You talked about collaboration and that but and and what what can we as a, a movement do better at i think you gotta believe it's gonna work um i think that's like what personally drives me and i think drives a lot of people around me obviously we we met through the freedom theater in palestine and mm -hmm. you know where people are fighting this, this brutal colonialism um, and actually that's very that fight is very integrated in a, a struggle around environment and land yeah. and of course human rights and you know the stakes are huge and the oppression is huge and still people fight and fight and fight and I, I think that there's just no space to go this isn't going to work I, I, I'm a huge believer that um, one tactic is not the only way to do things and I think that firstly people often waste a lot of time and energy going this is the way to do it yes um, I couldn't agree more <laughs> um and delegitimizing other ways of doing things but also I think people in power um will always tell you that's the wrong tactic and <laughs> I've you know been around armed resistance I've been around revolution and cultural uprising and <laughs> endlessly on Twitter debates and <laughs> um, a little less so but um, you know and boycotts and the one thing you always hear in each in each situation is do it a different way mm. and actually that's a way of of stopping struggles it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be really considering and thinking about about things um, but not to the point where it stops movement. I think one thing I'm really believing at this stage is that um, whether it's, you know, community organizing, armed resistance, civil disobedience, uh, theater on the streets, we've got to be working together. Yeah. And so that, um, you know, each, each area um, benefits. Um, a small example, which has nothing really to do with climate crisis, is that um, during the pandemic, I was 
working alongside um, other people and doing a lot of community organizing and food bank um, and areas like this. And, and I, I was really passionate that we should be, you know, doing the food bank in the, the morning and all going to protest the council in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, and then maybe doing something cultural after that. But, you know, like it, it felt like these things needed to be to be more in, interconnected. Mm. Um, so moving forward, I think that's something that's constantly in my mind and I think when you see movements that are successful um although I, I I get nervous of us needing to kind of in a way give things the label of success or failure yeah. because I think that's part of a structure uh that probably sits in like a capitalist system of like that worked that didn't that was yes. production that wasn't yeah. um but I think yeah it, it, it's we've got to think about how we can interconnect these things with um sometimes when i go to you know huge events like cop 26 i have a little bit of a theater to make a head on and i look at the spectacle that we're creating of the the visual aspects of the flags and what's on the placards and then the audio of what's being chanted and spoken at the rallies i wonder when you go to these whether it's a, you know a micro small action or a larger one do you put on a theater make a head on to reflect on the message we're sending to audiences and, and who audiences are is it the people in power is it the person on the street just you know having the mcdonald's as a march goes past um i think it's something reflecting on xr like the the even the logo that they've chosen of the the the, the sand dial and and time ticking away um and and do you think that you know talking about success not not to go down that route but is the things that you might like to say oh i wonder if we could push that message more in how we're visually capturing this movement to and to appeal to whoever the audience might be i think it really depends what like i absolutely love big visual action like direct action because i think that um you know and it doesn't necessarily have to be fun and playful like sometimes i think that can actually trivialize the message if you're not careful but i also love the stuff and, and obviously and i i think we spoke about it before like the first action i was involved with was like this huge 40 meter loch ness monster that was meant to go in the river but then sort of got arrested by a large amount of police um and i think that that's brilliant because we've got to be thinking as you said like how do we visualize what we want to say how can we capture people's attention how can music move people and bring people together in a really like collective spirit i, I did another action um alongside uh, bp or not bp and um the stop shopping choir and they're this brilliant choir from new york who do direct action and you know the music moves you and brings this collective spirit together and that that's really really powerful having said that i also spent time in the last couple of weeks um with um people who were just like we're just going to disrupt mm. every event that effectively is greenwashing um or um sort of bullshitting sorry to use that word but like that's just the best way to describe it and you know that wasn't necessarily about being creative or um you know whatever that was just very much going NatWest Bank is doing an event on institutional activism this is bullshit we are going to stand up and say that mm -hmm. and I think that that also shifted my mind a little bit because I just was like okay there's also just a, a power in 
in sort of straight up destruction mm-hmm. and calling things out. Yeah. Um, and that was really powerful. Um, you know, and practically it, it takes a long time to build a 40 meter Loch Ness monster to go to a, a an event and just stand up and say, this isn't true. These are the facts mm-hmm. is quite a quick and effective way of shaking rooms up. And, and that was really, um, that was also great. So again, I think it just comes back to like, what's needed and when and um you know different different things different moments different skill sets but I think I'll always go back to things that are creative (laughs) so um thank you so much for your time Zoe uh what song would you like us to play on East Leeds FM someone like rewrote a song about the police stealing the Loch Ness Monster oh brilliant perfect (laughs) I love because you're just like how did someone have time or the information (laughs) to do this like the world is mad back intro the song so i'm giggling so um that was uh it's been posted by tommy mckay on a website called the daily reckless so i don't know if it is tommy mckay's created it or if it's just been posted up there by him but um that was uh the loch ness monster song a remake of monster by the automatic what a as a millennial i appreciate yeah, retooling brilliant. Um, I love that. um so yeah thank you so much thank you zoe. zoe that was an awesome chat so uh now i believe it's time for uh, oh no! Where's the jingle? Oh, there it is. It's right, right next to the other jingle. It's time for Nat's provocation station. The chat train is pulling into Nat's provocation station. Hello and welcome to my train station. <laughs> I didn't know that that was going to come out my mouth as it was coming out my mouth. Um. I'll keep this one short because we've only got a few minutes left, Henry Raby. So today, my provocation is maybe sums up a few of the things that we've been talking about, um, particularly with with Zoe. This is something I wrote uh, a few days ago on the 12th of November. On the 12th of November, 2021, the final day of COP26, I sit in stillness, contemplating breathing in the reality of our times. It's impossible to comprehend the vastness of the impact that 
of the results of these global negotiations. Based on the short-term goals countries have set out, temperatures will rise above 2%. Sea levels will rise. Drought, floods, heat waves and fierce storms. Complete devastation. And occasionally, I just try and sit in stillness and comprehend what that means. For anyone remotely invested in the climate crisis, the last two weeks has been a turbulent time. My brain has a permanent fizz and crackle from constantly critically analysing each headline and speech and report. Through my computer screen, I try and keep abreast of the real COP26, where the organisers are and the unions and the indigenous people and the young people and the protesters, the puppets and the storytellers, the drums, the chanting, the sharing, the listening and all the colours. I feel overstimulated. And through this avalanche of information, the spikes of hope and twangs of horror My mind keeps on coming back to three simple words. Will it work? How are we going to make this time different? How can we change the story to create a different story? Or in other words, as an artist, as an activist, where is the best use of my energy? So in the last six weeks, but I mean generally for much longer than that, I've been involved in all sorts of different types of activism. Um, as I said to, to Chloe, uh, Chloe, Zoe, um, I've sort of broadly set them into three different categories. The top is truth to power. That's your protests, your marches, your banners, your placards, your, your direct action, the talking to the big corporations and the, the policy makers at the top of the uh, hierarchy. My, um, my second group I've got this is a rubbish name so if anyone's got a better name for this I've called the middle of the road management but that that sounds really negative but I love this section this is your third sector working uh, collaboratively to build stronger more resilient sustainable communities so this is probably where you put your arts organizations your local councillors the trusts and charities um, anyone like that maybe a university organizations that are trying to build better communities and then in your third section is your very very grassroots and I call this grassroots small is beautiful and this is a different kind of direct action I think this is the kind that picks up litter or sees a bit of graffiti and cleans it off or scrubs off a uh, racist sticker that's stuck on a um, lamppost or looks after a neighbour, um, anything along those lines. So I guess my, my provocation to you, Henry Raby, is, you know, what are your reflections on on yourself, your art, and, and where you fit within those three categories? I think um, there's been times in my life where I've been booking that coach down to London for the big demo. There's been times when... Yes, we I, have. We've all we've <laughs> been there. Uh, there's times when I have... Uh, you know, encourage that uh, scraping off of that sticker, that tiny action. 
that that normal if I scrape off a stick I always put it on social media and I mm-hmm. say I'm doing this and that may someone say oh that's virtue signaling you're just going look how good I am I'm telling you know and that's what mm-hmm. is that but actually uh, we talked about this last on the last episode about normalizing a culture where you go we just do not stand for that I'm like, not we're gonna not going to walk past not, a racist sticker yeah. or a whatever uh, uh, yeah and um, and then the 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 last thing I'm wondering about your middle one is yeah I did the sale training which is sustainability in the arts and mm. and trying to think here how we at the chapel can make ourselves more sustainable and and I guess you've got to... or you know take a group of young people up to cop <laughs> and like show them one of the biggest demonstrations that's happened in I don't yeah. know ages but if if I have any hope at all I mean I'm feeling loads more hopeful after the show I think too, you've done man. a great job what I, a great um, I'm buzzing why don't you want to go to the pub afterwards I know because I'm being You're no being, fun month no fun month being no busy and boring yeah, I think if there's any hope it, it, it comes from people and mobilising yeah. and conversations and and I was really interested very quickly to say this and I think it's time to wrap up but mm-hmm. um I sometimes go to protest and the more interesting stuff happens afterwards in the pub. And you were saying that while we were at COP up in Glasgow, there was, an, there was a demonstration down in, in Leeds, Leeds in the city centre. And yeah. actually it wasn't very shouty or, or no. marchy or direct action. It was lots of people connecting, having those conversations. And out of that grows many other uh, actions and many other connections and communities. And um, yeah. I think we're going to win. Yeah. Yeah, we're smash win. it, mate. Yeah, we're gonna win. We're, we're gonna, gonna win. <laughs> so, before we play our uh, track to finish off, we are Vandal Factory. I've been Henry, and this has been Natalie Quatermass. Hello. Um, we are on Twitter at Vandal underscore Factory. You can find us on Facebook, and our Instagram is Vandal Factory Theatre. We'll be back next month on East Leeds FM. We're going to leave you with an absolute banger because are we standing in the way of control, Natalie Quatermass? <gasps> yes, we are.